So one night I wake up in the middle of the night, I hear the murmuring, I wake up and there is a woman standing at the foot of my bed. She's wearing, not fancy, but home style around the house Victorian clothes, like the high neck collar, you know what I mean? Like a blouse and a dress and a skirt. And she's holding the hand of a little girl. Between the present and the past, memories held in the walls and earth, energies and entities that cross the barrier into our dreams and our consciousness. That which has been left behind between the living and the dead. I'm Emily. And I'm Joy. And this is Is The the Residuals. Residuals. All right. I'm doing my thing. Emily. Yes. Please introduce yourself. Oh, okay. Hello. I'm Emily. And I'm Joy. And this is The Residuals. Your favorite uh, paranormal podcast with two mums, occasionally a baby, and wonderful guests. Like today, we have the glorious Leonora with us. Who's also got her own show called Mothering Heights? Hi, everybody! Thank you for having me on to your wonderful podcast. I love it. Thank of course, you. thank you for coming. We've just been talking, just so everybody knows, we've been talking for like an hour already about all kinds of things. Um, I mean, so that have nothing to do. <laughs> we've with covered so much at all. We've covered insomnia. We've covered other podcasts we love. We've covered mm-hmm. Ambien. We've covered gastrointestinal. Football things we've covered football as in soccer as in Mm -hmm. not american football we've covered uh ai (laughs) ai we've gotten travel tips farting we need to mention farting like two two or more times it's like gastrointestinal i said gastrointestinal dysfunction let's just just be real with it farting yeah Uh, taking notes in school we talked about we've talked about disordered eating we've talked about Mm -hmm. uh cosmetic surgery and Mm -hmm. makeup and fillers um yeah we've yeah it's been we are this has been an episode of some podcast that doesn't exist yet but (laughs) we're thinking parts and fillers oh my god don't say the name someone's gonna um, steal it like i can't i can't put that out intellectual property you know yeah (laughs) we can't let anybody steal anything um, it's for the three of us. Claim it, so fuck off. Anyway, we're actually here to talk about ghosts. And if memory serves, you lived in a haunted house. Did, did you, you grow, grow up, up in one? Yeah. I did. Oh. Yeah. So when I was uh, fifty, so I grew up in Grand Forks, North Dakota, which is a little town in the upper northeast corner of North Dakota. So about an hour south of the Canadian border and right on the border of Minnesota. So if I look out my bedroom window, I literally see Minnesota. Whoa. Can I just tell you, I love the way that you see Minnesota. It reminds me. It's in there. It reminds me of Drop Dead Gorgeous, one of my favorite mockumentary movies with this one ate my baby. Um, Mm -hmm. Carry on. I'm so sorry. Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, this is when I moved to New York, I was, I mean, it wasn't that bad, but I mean, I did grow up in this place. You know, with just all these people who just tell oh me that their voices get real small when they get to the end of their sentence. Oh, I love 
so good. It's so good. <laughs> so when I was 15, we lived in this really cute little, it's just my dad, my mom, and me. I'm the only child. So we lived in this cute little Tudor house, right? Um, and when I was 15, my dad, around Christmas Hanukkah, my dad's Jewish, my mom's Catholic, uh, Kept being like, oh man, I got I got a family gift for us this year. You're you're just gonna freak out. Oh, wait, wait till you see what I got mom this year. What'd you see? And I knew he'd gotten mom like a pretty necklace. So I was like, I mean, I saw the necklace, it's pearls, it's nice. What's the what's the fucking deal? But my dad was like on edge and anxious. So for the first night of Hanukkah, we opened this gift and it was a photo of a really, really old Victorian, kind of falling down Victorian. Um, basically the first street that was ever where houses were in Grand Forks, North Dakota. Okay. And we were like, what's this? And he was like, and at the bottom it said Gershman residence. Oh my God. And we were like, what? And he was like, well, I, I bought us a house. Holy. Yes. What? Did he put a giant red bow on it? Like the car commercials with the like, get your family in the 80s <laughs> with the giant... He, it was like a big photo. He, he like Amazing. had gone to the mall and like, you know, made like a big photo, gone to the photo place and like put this on some poster board for me, you know? <laughs> no, you're killing me. You're killing me. So good. And so we were just beside ourselves. We went to see the house. It was this, it was built in, um, I believe, 1886. Mm -hmm. Really beautiful in many ways, but I mean, so old. Mm -hmm. And same family had owned it for so long that it was really just crumbling. Mm -hmm. When we got into the house, they touched the wall, the, the drywall, and it just <gasps> like it just. Oh. So we had to take the whole house down to the studs and then completely rebuild it. This is a three story Victorian, if you can oh, imagine, old fashioned. Yeah. Right. And with a basement, you know, because, you know, it's North Dakota. So you have to have a basement. So sure. I miss basements right on the river, like right, like the rivers in the backyard, like the Red River, of the North, our big, mighty, the mighty red, very violent, uh, scary, floody kind of river. Oh, gosh. And, um, you know, we got in there and we just we just had to decide to, to fully restore the house. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? We had to like we recreated all the original details in the corners, like the Victorian details. Oh. We recreated so much of it. We saved what we could. Mm -hmm. But we did have to, you know, redo the roof and redo, you know, everything had to be redone. So it took a really long time. And finally, after I think at least, oh, it was a year and a half, because right before my 16th birthday, we moved in. And the house is, is, is beautiful. It's, it's, it's gorgeous. It really still is. And the first few weeks, I kept getting frustrated because I would wake up in the middle of the night and my parents would be listening to TV really loud or watching the TV. I'm like, what are they doing? It's like so late. What are they doing? I guess they can't sleep in this house. All right. You know, and I would go back to sleep after like a week of this. I said, you guys, I, I really hate to do this, but you know, the house is so full of wood and I was sort of in the back of the house. My, my, my bedroom was sort of the back part of the house and their bedroom was kind of the front part of the house. And I said, but the, the TV room, something about the sound in the middle of the night, it's like, I, I, it's waking me up every night. And my dad said, we're not watching TV in the middle of the night. In fact, Leonora, we need to talk to you about listening to your radio at night. <gasps> oh, no. I say what? Oh. Come again. 
Yeah, I was like, I'm sorry, what? I was like, I'm not listening to my radio at night. I don't listen to my radio at night. And he was like, well, we're certainly not watching TV. And my mom goes, oh. Oh, uh, <laughs> oh no. Oh and my dad immediately goes into like, he goes into sort of a, uh, he's a very smart businessman. <laughs> and he was like, do, and we're in a small town. And he was like, do not talk about this. He was like, do not bring this up. He was like, if we ever need to sell this house, people cannot know that this house is haunted. Right, sure. He was like, do not. He's like 80 it. steps ahead of everyone. Oh, a thousand percent. Yeah, yeah. I love it. <laughs> and so I'm like, okay. So then it becomes just this thing. Every night I wake up, I hear this loud sound like, just like murmuring. So it would wake, this loud sound would wake me up. And then it would be this like murmuring, like two radio stations like when you hear two conversations mm -hmm. pop between my mom's catholic and comes from like this irish family in boston so they're fully like ghosty do you know what i mean they're like right. yeah we have reincarnation issues in our family that are really interesting like that family is like everybody's seen a ghost oh we'll have to get there we might have to have another episode with you and maybe with your mother we'll on to too. come back for the irish side yeah 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 right. for the boston people so every night this is happening now all the time one night my parents are out they're at a hockey game i'm home it's a friday night even though i'm in high school i'm home working on a project right don't forget this is like pre-internet this is the 90s yeah. it was the 90s we went to the library we used microfiche and an encyclopedia we had phones hooked to the wall it was yes. <laughs> with a very long cord so that we could sit in the other room yes <laughs> holding our phone like this with our shoulder up by our ear no mm -hmm. wonder we're constantly asking like I think I have frozen shoulders. Why does my neck sound like it has gravel in it? <laughs> Everything hurts. Yeah, exactly. So weird. I literally just heard that sound in my own neck. Mm -hmm. So I'm home. And like I said, my my room was in the back and there's an attic above me. And there's two sets of stairs because it's an old Victorian. So there's like what we would call like the servant stairs, unfortunately, that go all the way down the back to the kitchen. Yeah. Well, and then there's down the to big stairs. front stairs. Yeah. Totally. So I'm... There's a furnished guest room above me, which is the attic. And I'm sitting there working on some paper, listening to music, definitely REM. And I start to hear footsteps pacing above me. Oh my God. In the attic, back and forth. And I am, when I tell you I am frozen, I am literally like I am shaking. I am frozen at this point. So this one now would have been winter. So we've almost kind of gotten used to the voices in a way. Do you know what I mean? Like, mm -hmm. I guess there's just voices in this house. Like whatever they are, there's just voices in this house. What kind of footsteps were they? They were like, boom, boom, boom. So they were heavy, loud foot heavy, footsteps, like someone big. Booted. Oh. Yes, booted. Oh, I'm getting goosebumps thinking about it. <laughs> I could hear them going back and forth basically above my head. Now, remember I said that there's two sets of staircases and one was in the back where my bedroom was and it led to my bedroom. And I start to hear the footsteps come down the bedroom. No, no, no. Yes. And when I say they were footsteps, I know what a fucking house sounds like when it settles, y'all. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah. I live in a house. Like, I know what that's... This was literally rhythmic sounds of a foot coming down the stairs. No. Boom. No. Boom. Boom. I run to basically the TV room, the front of the house, 
I pick up the phone. I call a friend of mine. I'm like screaming into the phone. I'm like, I think there's somebody here. There's somebody here. Right. She's like, okay, do, what do you need me to do? I was like, I don't know. I don't know. I run back and it's silent. There's nobody there. And I run out the house into my car and I drive to my friend Sarah Jellop's oh house. God. Like I just ran out the door. Oh my God. Oh my God. She was involved in another haunting. So my attic was like our like sleepover spot. Right. Because there's a big bed up there. So like when my girlfriends would stay the night, we would stay up there. Sarah comes to spend the night. I just want to say out loud, Sarah Jellif, you're such a badass to this day. Sarah in the morning is like, I need to talk to you about something. Oh my and God. I was like, what? And she was like, I woke up in the middle of the night and there was a man sitting in the wingback chair in the corner. <gasps> just watching us sleep no. and I was like okay because um, <laughs> we're 16 you know what I, mean? I don't like this I don't like this at all so then our cleaning woman who was like a big part of our family she had been with us for years and years her name was Sunny and she was very sweet you know she would leave us novenas all over the house which are these little prayer cards because she mm -hmm. was Catholic and my mother doesn't really have much of a Boston accent anymore, except for when she says Catholic things. <laughs> so she would be like, oh, I got another sacred hat of Jesus from Sunny on my pillow. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. So we would always find these little novenas. She didn't do that in our old house. Oh, she was just leaving these little novenas like all over this house. You know, my dad's Jewish, but like he doesn't care. My mom's Catholic, so she's like eating it up. You know what I mean? She's right, like, right, right. it's not a sacred hat. Giant red flag. Giant oh red flag. <laughs> yeah. So then Sunny says to my mother, I need to talk to you about something. And she said, what? She said, well, I saw a man mm. in the dining room. And she said, what? There was somebody here? She said, no, no, no. He wasn't here. Like she was trying to explain what she'd seen. He wasn't here. But there was a man here. And then he was gone. And my mom's like, oh, shit. Whoa. And she said, well, what did he look like? He was wearing coveralls, which are basically, you can imagine in North Dakota, I come from the literally the coldest town in the United States. Like yeah. you can look it up. Coveralls are thick, Carhartt overalls, but long sleeve, long, you know what I mean? Like mm -hmm. you wear them to work outside. She said he was, he was wearing coveralls. So we're like, what the fuck is going on? Come to find out two parallel things. We're still hearing the voices, by the way. Right. Can you tell what gender the voices are? Are they, can you tell if it's. They sound like a family. Okay. It sound that sounds like a family, but like trying to communicate, almost okay. trying to break through. Do you know what I mean? Like, yes. like I said, it sounded like between two radio stations. Mm -hmm. These two things feel different in my, in my intuition. Do you know what okay. I mean? And like whatever witchiness I have or whatever, the voices were one thing that felt different it didn't feel malevolent mm -hmm. the the okay. man felt malevolent so the footsteps and the coveralls are the same person yes and the attic the at the man sitting in the attic right. yeah did she say he had coveralls on when he was sitting in the chair oh, yeah your girlfriend i don't that i don't remember her okay. saying that to be honest but she just said he was a man and like not like not like a not like uh you know jacob marley like, right, right, right. like just like a man sitting there just like arms crossed looking uh, at us the muttering do you think it was more of like a memory in the house of just like family interaction just a residual yeah residual type i i i do think it was that 
Mm-hmm. And I'll tell you who I think that was because I saw them. <gasps> oh, Jesus. We did some research on the house. Uh-huh. We discovered that the house was built, I can't remember if it was 1886 or 1889, but the house was built by someone who who lived in North Dakota, who was from North Dakota, like my father, uh-huh. who had married a girl from Boston. Uh-huh. Oh my God. Like my mother. Whoa. Brought her to North Dakota as my father did. What, how, how is that going to happen? Like, that's such a, that's insane. <laughs> that's like a real trek. That's like a real journey. And they didn't know this before they got the house? No. Was this a house that your mom was just always like, I love this house. And that's why. Yeah. So, there- okay. Quick question. Have you, sorry. I, when, have you talked to your dad about why he decided to purchase this particular house? Was it something about the house that was, that told him this is that, this is your family home? I know that he had a very strong connection to our first house, the Tudor. Like he walked in, my mother was still living in Boston, was pregnant with me, walked into the, the little house, the first house, like looked to the right, looked to the left and said, this is it, this is our house. Okay. So he had like an emotional attachment to this. The other one in my memory, because again, this is 30 years ago. I I remember that this street is stunning. Every house on it mm. is 110 years, like a, a, over 100 years right. old. It's gorgeous. And you feel the history of our town there. And I think that it was more that my dad was always hoping that one of those homes would come up for sale. Oh, okay. And he just kind of rolled the dice on that house. Mm. At the time, it was called the Lamb House because the, the Lambs lived there. They had lived there for generations. So... I think it was more that, and I think that he saw it as um, as an opportunity to, to save one of these historic homes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And these homes don't come up for sale very often. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. People stay in them, you know what I mean? for Just pass them along. They're generational yeah. homes. Yeah. 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 Yeah, exactly. Also, we always go back to Massachusetts every summer for the summer mm. to see my family so that my I can have a connection to Massachusetts. My children have a connection to Massachusetts. So did this original family that built the house. Oh, wow. They would travel back. This is insane. Wow. I know. So one night, I wake up in the middle of the night. I hear the murmuring. I wake up, and there is a woman standing at the foot of my bed. She's wearing, not fancy, but home-style, around-the-house Victorian clothes. Oh, my God. Like, the high neck collar, you know what I mean? Like a blouse right, right. and a dress and a skirt. And she's holding the hand of a little girl. <gasps> and they're just like very curiously watching me sleep. And I sat up and I looked right at them. I mean, I, I looked right at them and I got up and I walked to them. Whoa. What? And I said, this is our house now. You have to go. You have to go. Oh my God. Wait, how old were you when you did this? <gasps> I was 15 or 16, or I was 16 or 17 years old. Jesus, I must have been 16. It was was like the first year we lived there. Oh, my God. You know, because it was the middle of the night, and I was very freaked out, but I also didn't feel any kind of malevolence from them. Mm -hmm. It really was like, sorry, spoiler for anyone who hasn't seen the others, fast forward 15 seconds. It was that feeling of like, who is that? They were saying to me, who is? Yeah. Who is this person in our house? And it didn't feel... it felt very curious. They felt very curious. They didn't feel angry. They didn't feel mean. They didn't feel, it felt more like they were like, why is this girl sleeping in our house? Yeah. Yes, exactly. The same way I'm like, 
what are you doing here? <laughs> I mean, like, move it along. <laughs> right. And so they, the voices did stop at that point. Oh my God. And I mean, I never saw them again. Now, our other friend uh-huh. made less noise, less footsteps, less appearances. However, twice, at least twice, actually, when we had friends stay, when there was sort of new energy in the house. So like when my aunt came to stay and stayed in my parents' room, she woke up and saw someone standing next to her bed. All the uh, sheets and comforter had been folded and laid neatly at the foot of the bed. She woke up cold and realized there weren't covers, saw a figure there, like not like a, you know what I mean? A figure, I would say. She said, I saw something there. And then she realized that the the blankets had all been folded at the foot of the bed. And then we had some dancers who came to do a workshop with my ballet company, North Dakota Ballet Company, where I grew up. They both came down separately and told my mother the same thing. They had not yet spoken to each other. There was a husband-wife team. The husband came down and said, the strangest thing happened last night. I woke up freezing cold. And I don't know if my wife did. I don't know what happened, but all our blankets were folded neatly at the foot of the bed. Oh, my God. And then the wife came down and said, I think the husband did something weird last night. Like I woke up, it was freezing cold upstairs and, and he had like folded all the sheets at the bottom. I don't know why he did that. Oh my God. So all this to say, what we discovered was that shortly before the family that owned the house before us sold the house, mm-hmm. probably in order to sell the house, they re-roofed the house. Mm-hmm. It was winter and a roofer fell off the roof and died. Oh, my God. Oh, no. When we bought the house, we re-roofed the house again. Oh, God. My theory is that this poor man had a lot of resentment that he had died doing something that he was probably very good at, which was roofing, Mm -hmm. and that we had decided that it wasn't good enough what we needed it wasn't good enough enough yeah and re-roof the house anyway and he just was upset and that energy stayed that anger stayed that fear i think that last moment probably is probably super angry like really this is the way i'm going out i'm i've done this for so long and this is really this is what's gonna happen and like you're saying jerks come in yeah and that fear (laughs) he feels in that moment of falling and knowing that yeah. This is not this is not going to end well. Yeah. Oh. Now, uh, my parents have been there 30 years. I would say within 5 years the voices the voices were gone while I was still living there. Mm-hmm. Like they stopped by the time I went to college. I, I again, 30 years ago, but in my memory it was after I had the conversation with the I believe mother and child who came from Boston yeah. to to live in this house. But the cold and the folding and the guests and that kind of stuff that stayed after I left for college for a while. And I will say that still to this day, I, when I go into the basement of that house, when I have to go up the stairs, I run faster than I have ever run in my life running up those stairs, like those stairs from the basement to the main level there. I do feel and energy there. I never look over my shoulder Ugh. ever, ever, ever. But that is the only thing that remains. Like my parents don't hear footsteps. The guy has not been seen. I think that he's moved on. I think that he, I, I actually wonder sometimes if it wasn't all of Sonny's novenas 
that like helped him like I don't know across I don't know what right yeah but just her good intention of like wanting to help us not have this energy in the house the energy in the basement, you don't think that's just him relegating himself to a place being like, come on, this is the last spot that I'm in. Leave me alone. Like, I mean, it might be. I mean, the basement was like my hangout spot in high school. It was like, did it feel that way when you were in high school or is it just more of a recent thing? It's more of a recent thing. It's more like since I left for college. I wonder if it switched. If, you know, he stopped in the main house. Yeah. I mean, if he's still there and then that's kind of his spot that I could be because I do, I can't tell you, I can feel, I have a memory of it. I mean, I can feel it now, just like something at my back when mm-hmm. I'm coming up from the. I know that feeling. It's terrible. It is absolutely terrible. You I cannot mean, move fast enough. I'm wondering mm-hmm. if next time you're there, you have a conversation with. I mean, this could also backfire, but if you say, Yeah, I don't know if your parents want anything to I know. change. Do they say that, though, about the basement? Do they feel it? Yeah. Mm, no, I don't think so. I mean, if they do, they haven't said it to me. Like, we haven't really talked about the ghost in many years because it was so intense for the first two years, right. and then it just kind of got better. You know what I mean? And I have a question. You were saying that things would happen when you had new energy in the house, like people visiting and stuff. Do you think that because you aren't there all the time, when you go into the basement, when you visit, Mm. it's a different energy coming in. So maybe it is only happening to you and your parents are just sort of like whoever's there with them is used to them. (laughs) I don't know. Yeah. I mean, that very well could be. And you've just jogged a memory for me too, that both Willa and Murphy at different times have refused to go into the basement without an adult okay like they and like especially when they were little and it was that time where they're like the most between you know what i mean like between two veils kind of do you know what i mean when they're the most open when they're the most receptive yeah when they don't have any sort of idea of what they're experiencing really like a thousand percent no they would not go down there interesting and still to this day like there's like a Murphy will go down there, but like he'll ask to have the TV put on first. You know what I mean? Like, will you go down with me and turn on the TV? And then it's okay if you go. Like, I think he wants like a a guide yeah. to come down and like check things out. But there's definitely there's definitely a feeling down there. Do the beds still get remade? Is that that hasn't mm-hmm. happened to you since you've been there with your family or no. like the kids or anything? Mm-mm. So no. interesting. Yeah. I wonder if it's just something, if it's just a third thing. It could be, you know, sometimes I do think that there's, you know, basements are weird. Basements are, they're just, they're underground. Mm-hmm. They're literally, there's something that's like, it's almost too. If it's more of an elemental thing, if it's an environmental elemental sort of spirit of the earth. I know I, I say these things and I feel, oh, you're such a crazy person. Um, but something you have a paranormal podcast. We're all crazy. <laughs> what do you mean? No, I do wonder, like, I, I mean, it'd be interesting. I would love to, I would love an answer to, is it? Cause I, I never thought about him sort of being like, maybe he just retreated. Yeah. I'm done in the big house, but like, yeah, like I'm not leaving, but I'm going to stew down here. For goes yeah, down. exactly. <laughs> I, mean, I think there's also, there's also something to the fact that you hear a lot of, people who have had 
experiences and who have houses with basements. And the basement is the one place that they never have good feelings. The basement is always the one place that, like you were saying, they feel something at their back and they need to run up the stairs and they need to get the fuck out of there as quickly Mm -hmm. as possible. You never hear of anybody having activity in their house saying, I love going to the basement. I fucking love it. It's the best. Yeah. I fucking it's were we watching yeah. was it like on a recent episode of a paranormal show or were we talking to someone? We've done so many interviews lately that I can't keep shit straight. So I apologize. Yeah. Um but I swear somebody was just saying like the basement, it like the energy sinks to the lowest point. It was of one the of the house our recent and I, interviews. It was okay. one of our recent okay. interviews. Yeah. <laughs> My poor brain. I'm sorry. Yeah. That's really interesting. It's kind of like hot air and cold air, like the hot air rises to the top and the cold air. That's really, really interesting. And, you know, also just, you know, taking kind of like any um, ethereal thing out of it, basements are are cold. Mm -hmm. They're clammy. Mm -hmm. They're damp. Mm -hmm. They're where you store things that you don't want to have out. So they're like things that you're holding on to for no reason whatsoever, other than you can't let go of them. Like there is like acoustically though, too, like you're, if you're on a a above ground level, like like you can hear things from outside and then you get down in the basement and it's just like, you're stuck in the cell. Like there's no reverberation beyond the walls. Yeah. Um, I, my mom used to have a place um, on Long Island Sound in Connecticut and her basement was above ground. They just had like the storage garage above ground because everything was on stilts because they were in a flood zone. And I, (laughs) at some point, lived in that basement for a few months and never felt that same basement-y feeling. Interesting. Because it wasn't under the ground. But the house I grew up in I was always running up and down those stairs and we had like the pull chain lights throughout and I don't know how many times I got to the top of those stairs and I'd shut the light switch off and I'd see a light on downstairs and go, oh, and And then I have to do the whole light trail back down and then run as fast as I could. (laughs) Like I have like, 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 yeah, exactly. Like hitting this, like hitting this light, like so that I'm never in the dark. Yep. Yep. I was teaching my son that like maybe last year when he started getting nervous about the dark, I was like, listen, you just got to do a trail. (laughs) Yep. That's how it works. (laughs) Yeah. But that is that feeling at your back is, is unique like that is like it's so it's such a scary feeling and it's weird that the moment you get to ground level like sea level like getting on base yeah Yeah, it's like going into homeostasis it's like there's this like (laughs) dark energy and then it's like and you just go okay it's such a like you know bully thing to do like i'm gonna get you when you're vulnerable where you can't like turn around and hit me as easily and yeah, it's weird. It's a weird, it's a really scary thing. So, you know, we have a lot of legends in, in Grand Forks. There's a house where um, Jesse James's widow was like waiting for him to come home because he was killed in Minnesota. And that's like, was it Jesse James or Billy the Kid? I thought it was Jesse James, but I, yes, I'm messing this all up. But anyway, that's one okay. of them, one of those gunslingers, his widow was like waiting for him to come home and that's in grand forks and so she apparently like 
haunts the house and people see mm-hmm. her in the in the widow's walk of this old victorian and yeah you know these places that are near water i always feel like are so haunted in a different way well that was going to be my next question as soon as you said river in the backyard i could like feel emily's brain go side note <laughs> i actually made a note i'm now starting to actually make notes joy you'd be proud of me that's why i'm working on it's, my... it's very helpful my thing looks very confusing to other people but <laughs> I'm, I'm working on my on my add urge to interrupt people and be like but wait wait so now i'm taking notes so one of the things is that um moving water bodies of water that move right tend to elicit more activity most of the time it's salt water because salt water is a conductive right that's why places like the outer banks in north carolina because it was also one of the first stops of like ships coming in like outer banks is is an incredibly haunted spot because of that Mm -hmm. moving water and the salt aspect of it and just those areas on on the coast on the east coast Mm -hmm. yeah cape cod where we spend our summers too like haunted as shit which yeah i lived in newport and rhode island for a long time Mm -hmm. and i mean i grew up in connecticut too so that's all yeah 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 all that east coast is so haunted we're all fucked exactly (laughs) as soon as you talked about the fact that there was a river that is Mm -hmm. one that is that moves aggressively that generates that tends to generate more activity when it happens Mm -hmm. and so that to Mm -hmm. me would explain a few different things it would explain why that the the gentleman was around why his energy was as strong as it was why it was as intense and why you were feeling those two dual emotions of anger Mm -hmm. because possibly due to you replacing his work that he died doing and the fear mm-hmm. aspect of it, of, which was the fear of knowing he's about to die. You know, yeah. that falling, that fear yeah. that comes with the falling. But then in addition yeah. to that, the fact that it wasn't so much just a residual haunting of you hearing the people having conversations, but it was that extra added thing of them standing at the end of your bed and being curious about, you know exactly what you're saying with the others mm-hmm. it's that are they haunting us are we haunting them it's that veil situation it's that crossover are yeah. they aware that they're dead are they still held in this moment in time how much can they see of us how you know yeah mm-hmm. exactly what yeah. moments are they privy to you know same yeah. with the folding you think about it if the where, where the guest bedroom was above you right in the attic so that mm-hmm, is normally mm-hmm. where the servants quarters would be the servants being people mm-hmm. who are tidying the house folding the sheets making sure everything is ready mm-hmm. making sure people are taken care of right that would possibly explain why that was happening so yeah and like know. that's really interesting yeah basements and attics yeah. are the least frequented areas of a house right mm-hmm. so if there is someone hanging out 
that it's no longer living and they don't want to <laughs> hang out with everyone or they've been, you know, banished <laughs> and they don't quite want to go. Right. An attic or a basement makes sense because it will be the least interacted place. Yeah. Um, so yeah. they can just sort of stew in their own ghosty energy and not deal with anybody else. But it is also these areas are also where, quote unquote, the help would go. The people yes. of the house would not be going in the attic. They would not be going in the basement. It would be the help. True. And mm -hmm. I want to say thank you and that I very much respect and appreciate that you restored the house. Same. Um, I think that probably had a lot to do with it too because it looked the same. Exactly. Mm. They weren't in some place going, what is this Beetlejuice house that I live in now? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah, so yeah, there's yeah. all of those yeah. things that I think are... Um, comforting and probably a little confusing as well because you're looking at new people in your house <laughs> that looks like your house yeah it is kind of that beetlejuice thing yeah 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 totally you guys put that intention into it but you also used quality craftsmanship you didn't just do yahoo yes. bullshit of coming in sticking some yeah. shit up to hide the fact that you really banjaxed a bunch of shit and you kept the original things mm-hmm you know, we talk a lot about like energy being held in physical things like stone yeah. and wood and all of that. If you're mm -hmm. keeping all of that and putting it back up and you're putting your good energy into it and then right. it's in the house. Yeah, it all holds energy. And you're doing it to bring the original building back to its former glory. Yes, and that's exactly what we tried to do. And the goal was literally to save this house because there's three houses in a row. I mean, like I said, every house on the street is gorgeous, but the, there are three houses in a row that you can tell were the first houses built. Like they oh, are, there's, there's, they're a little bit bigger than everybody's in the, you know what I mean? There's right. just these three, they're just like, and we're right in the middle of these three gorgeous houses. It's really, it's so special. It's so lovely. It's gorgeous. And you know, my mother put so much care into every decision that was made. She wanted it so badly to like honor the people who had built the house. I love that intention that went into it. Yes. And that she's this like Boston girl and that like the person who built that house was this Boston girl. And and I do sometimes think that that time folds in on itself right. or you know what I mean? That there's like a more than just a coincidence. Yeah. And so sometimes I do think and it's less, you know, about reincarnation or whatever, even though I do sort of believe in that. I believe in everything, but you know. But there's like a moment when time kind of goes like, right. and like, maybe that's what was happening when I saw them. Sure. Yeah. We've talked a lot about like a glitch where you are suddenly in another time period and witnessing something that mm -hmm. happened a long time ago. And sometimes you can interact with that past, like it's basically time traveling, but yeah, that yeah. folding of time. I mean, do you guys know that story of the, the, two women i think one was a teacher yes and one was her student at versailles, at versailles. do you know the story the story no. Joy? what what is this it's mind-blowing so i think it was the was it in the was it in the 20s in the teens what that they experienced 20s 1920s 1930s maybe is that about when it was i'm gonna no i think when they yeah when maybe hang on let me was it early i'm gonna i'm gonna google it okay If you find yourself listening to our show and thinking, oh, 
I have a story that I should send in. Then go to our website, theresidualspodcast.com and send us a message. We love bringing you all things paranormal, but we would like to do more. And this is where you come in. If you haven't already, please subscribe to our podcast. After that, leave us a glowing review, give us a five-star rating, and share us on your social media. We are so grateful for your support. Now, back to the show. Can I read you what I found? Please, please. It's actually referred to as the Mobley Jordan incident. It's also known as the ghosts of Petit, Trianon, or Versailles, right? So it's a claim mm-hmm. of time travel and hauntings made by Charlotte Anne Mobley, who was born in 1846 and left this mortal coil in 1937, and Eleanor Jourdain, 1863 to 1924. So in 1911, Mobley and Jourdain published a book entitled An Adventure under, they changed their names, under the name of Elizabeth Morrison and Francis Lamont. And their book describes a visit they made to the Petit Trianon, a small chateau in the grounds of the Palace of Versailles, where they claimed to have seen the gardens as they had been in the late 18th century, as well as ghosts, including Marie Antoinette and others. And their story caused a sensation and unfortunately was subject to ridicule. Well, certainly. Mm-hmm. Obvi. Yes. So, um, so okay. So here's here's what happened. They recounted that they decided to visit the Palace of Versailles as part of several trips around Palace, detailing how on the 10th of August, 1901, they traveled by train to Versailles. They remembered not thinking much of the palace after touring it, so they said they decided to walk through the gardens to the Petit Trianon, which I am probably mispronouncing. Sorry, they didn't think much of the palace? They're like, what the fuck is it's this? It's a bit dodgy, isn't it? It's a bit naff. I don't like it. Where are these broads from? This is naff. <laughs> yeah, it's a bit naff. Look at this. Oh, yeah, it's a bit gilt, naff. Gilt gold everywhere. It's fuck. It's it's yeah. Naff. It's well naff. It's all, what's all this faff? <laughs> fact is, it's a bit too fluffy. Anyway, all right, let's keep going. Oh God. But okay, so they just and also I am. You know, last time I took French, I was 14. So I am completely fucking up the pronunciation. Uh, uh, I am so sorry. We, we don't care. Right. Um, care. Anywho, so uh, they decided to, so they didn't think much of the palace. I'm so sorry. Uh, so they decided to walk through the gardens to the Petit Trianon. But after reaching the Grand, Grand uh, Trianon, they found it close to the public. They recollected traveling with a, I'm not going to pronounce this, a something, something guidebook, but said they became lost after missing the turn for the main avenue, Allée des, de, okay, I'm not going to pronounce that, for the main avenue. Just stay your mom's house. Just whatever. Fine. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. God. <laughs> Allée des du Trianon. Great. Beautiful. And they entered a lane where they bypassed their destination. Mobley reported that she noticed a woman shaking a white cloth out of a window. While Jourdain recalled noticing an old deserted farmhouse 
outside of which was an old plow. At this point, they described feeling a feeling of oppression and dreariness coming over them, which is probably the dreariness is left over from their, you know, disappointment at the palace of Versailles. I think this just gets worse and worse. I thought, I, honestly, I thought it would be better. Yeah. I don't know. Let's I just don't go like outside. It. I don't know. Like it. it's musty they it's, they need to it's stuffy in it yes yeah, i don't like it um <laughs> so at this point they described a feeling of oppression and dreariness coming over them after which men who they thought looked like palace gardeners told them to go straight on Mobley described the men as very dignified officials dressed in long grayish green coats with small three cornered hats. Jordan, Jordan, I'm just going to pronounce her name differently every time I say it. She recalled that she noticed a cottage with a woman holding out a jug to a girl in the doorway, describing it as a tableau vivant, a living picture, much like Madame Tussaud's waxworks. Mobley did not observe the cottage, but remembered that she felt the atmosphere change. She wrote, everything suddenly looked unnatural, therefore unpleasant. Even the trees seemed to become flat and lifeless, like woodworked in a tapestry. There were no effects of light and shade, and no wind stirred the trees. That fucking freaks me out. Yeah, right? No, that makes me think of like a bad going through one of like Dick Van Dyke's and Mary Poppins chalk drawings. Like you show up Mm -hmm. and like, uh, uh. I was going to say a bad acid trip, but I prefer your one, Joy. Um, They reported. (laughs) I don't know about acid, sorry. (laughs) Just stick to shrooms. Um, They reported reaching (laughs) the edge of the wood close to the Temple de la Moor. Hello. And coming across a man seated beside a garden kiosk wearing a cloak and large shady hat, which honestly sounds like any given weekend in Highland Park in a playground with some of the mummies there. Let's face it. You know what I'm talking about. Anyway, um, according to Mobley, his appearance was, quote, almost repulsive. His expression odious his complexion dark and rough almost like the interior of the palace of versailles jordan Mm -hmm. noticed the man slowly okay this is awful the man slowly oh god the man slowly turned his face which was marked by smallpox his complexion was very dark the expression was evil and yet unseeing As though I did not feel that he was looking particularly at us, I felt a repugnance to going past him. So basically they were there. This gentleman did not see them, but looked at them as if he could tell someone was there. They said that another man whom they described as, quote, tall with large dark eyes and crisp curling black hair under a large sombrero hat came up to them and showed them the way to the Petit Tree Nanon. Mobley said that she noticed a lady sketching on the grass who looked at them after they crossed a bridge to reach the gardens in front of the palace. She later described the lady as wearing a light summer dress and a shady white hat with much fair hair. Mobley reported that she thought she was a tourist at first, but the dress appeared to be old-fashioned. Mobley came to believe the lady was Marie Antoinette. Jourdain, however, did not see the lady. 
which I'm noticing that Mobley is seeing a lot of the people and Jourdain is only seeing a few of them. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. At their return to the palace, they reported that they were directed round to the entrance and joined a party of other visitors. They said that after they toured the house, they had tea at the Hotel des Reservoirs before returning to Jourdain's apartment. So according to Jourdain and Mobley, neither women, neither woman, sorry, mentioned the incident to one another until a week after leaving Versailles, when Mobley, in a letter to her sister about their trip, started writing about the afternoon of the Versailles incident. She reportedly asked Jourdain if she thought the petit tri trinan, tri whatever, the small thing was haunted. <laughs> and Jourdain told her she thought it was. Three months later in Oxford, the pair said they compared their notes and decided to write separate accounts of what happened mm, smart. while also researching, right, the history of mm -hmm. the Trianon. They thought they might have seen events that took place on 10th of August 1792, only six weeks before the abolition of the French monarchy, when the Tuileries, oh my God, when a palace in Paris that begins with the T was besieged and the King's Swiss guards were massacred. According to their narrative, yeah. they visited the gardens again on several occasions, but were unable to trace the path they took. Various landmarks, such as the kiosk and the bridge, were missing and the grounds were full mm -hmm. of people trying to come up with an explanation they wondered if they had stumbled across a private party or an event booked that day however they found that nothing had been booked that afternoon through their research they thought they recognized the man they reportedly saw by the kiosk as the comte de <sighs> Baudrin. Just try. It's okay. Just try. <laughs> As a friend, he's just a friend of Marie Antoinette, who herself <laughs> nobly had claimed to see. Convinced the grounds were haunted, they decided to publish their story in a book titled An Adventure that came out in 1911 under the pseudonyms of Elizabeth oh Morrison God. and Francis Lamont. We need to read this book, Joy. So this was nine years after the incident? Yes. 10 years, no, after, 10 years the after the incident because it was 10 incident years. It happened mm -hmm. in 1901. Mm -hmm. The book came out in 1911. The book containing the claim that Marie Antoinette had been encountered in 1901 caused a sensation. However, many critics did not take it seriously on the grounds of the implausibilities and inconsistencies that it contained. A review of the book by Eleanor Mildred Sidgwick in the proceedings of the Society for Psychical Research. That's, yeah, that, that's a famous, that's a famous uh, group of uh, spiritualists. Mm -hmm. Suggested that the women had misinterpreted normal events that they had experienced. In 1903, an old map of the Trianon Gardens was found and showed a bridge that the two women had claimed to have crossed that had not been any other map. The identity oh, of the shit. authors of an adventure was not made public until 1931, which is seven years after Eleanor passed away and six years okay. before Charlotte passed away. So that is that. Joy, this is something we need to read and maybe do a deep yeah, dive episode on. No big deal. I would love to hear you guys talk about this. Yeah. 
I would really love that. Yeah, we've talked more about glitches lately. We fucking love glitches. Yes. Yeah. The interesting thing to me is how they both had that feeling of oppression. Like as soon as they crossed that like colors changed, the wind stopped. Mm -hmm. There was like a, they were where they were not supposed to be sense of things. And that to me is like so, so interesting. And I wonder if that's one of those time folding into itself moments. You know what I mean? Well, we talk about like how would a wormhole function? It's taking Mm -hmm. one point and another and putting them together. So like, is that not the same? Yeah. It's also that both of them experienced the definition of their surroundings change, that it suddenly became like an artist rendering, that the light was not right. Something, Mm -hmm. But they saw different things. They didn't see exactly the same thing. Also, Mm -hmm. it's really interesting. But it's that they both Mm -hmm. felt immediately at the same time something was not right. And they both noticed at the same time their surroundings change. It could be that one was more sensitive than the other one in that they were seeing Mm -hmm. these things. I wonder if, I don't know if you said it or not, but, but like when they were walking through this place in their normal time, in the time that they were from, were they seen by anyone walking through that place? And did they look like they weren't interacting with people? Oh. Like these are the questions yeah. I like, did they, because I find it hard to believe that they blipped away but maybe because we've also heard about that with other glitches where people like go someplace and then people don't see them and then they show up mm-hmm. somewhere else. So like, mm-hmm. did anybody see them walk through the garden that day? Like, did anyone have an interaction with them? Exactly. However, what it started off with, they walked into the woods and say so they yeah. walked into the woods. And it's almost like when they walked into the woods, they crushed a threshold mm-hmm. and we've heard this before. yeah i'm just wondering if it was if anyone yeah. saw them actually walking through and right. they were looking at something different or if they just were actually completely yeah. transported to this place no longer on our time plane or their time plane yeah mm-hmm. and then they blipped back exactly These are the lots of questions 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 i i am very i really hope you guys do a dive on this because yeah, we'll, we'll, this story is totally. so interesting to me especially because one of them was like a straight-up academic like right. a respected and the reason that and they Oxford. wrote on her pseudonym if i remember correctly yeah is because she was like i can't ruin my reputation mm-hmm. with this crazy shit but this is right. what happened but uh, also like yes. the time period between it happening and then writing things down and then realizing mm-hmm. that it was different and then publishing the book this isn't something that they were like trying to make money on right mm-hmm. because I know things moved a little slower than, but not that slow. Yeah, to publish yeah. something if they really wanted to, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I find the timeline really interesting. I find the differences in what they saw, even though they were definitely with one another and interacting mm-hmm. with each other while that was happening. It's not like, you know, one person they could see the, their mouth moving, but they didn't hear any words. Like they were still together right, in a together. bubble. But mm-hmm. so, saw different things outside of their bubble. So let me yeah. let me continue with something about these two women. Sure. Yes, please. I'm reading this. I'm not like just going off the top of my head with this. Both women claimed many paranormal experiences before and after the adventure. So this could also mm-hmm. add to some of the disbelief and the the 
the critics being like, mm. they're full of shit. And it could just be that these are two very sensitive women, right? So both women claim. I also have a problem because I think people just go, women. Uh, yes. They're so yeah. emotional. You. They're so, so emotional. Yeah. Oh, um, maybe they should have had their hormones checked. Um, anyway, mm. this could be where like some of the critical skepticism could come in. Again, like, you know, we've talked like emotional women, whatever, bullshit. Mm-hmm. 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 Here's the thing. Both women claimed many paranormal experiences before and after their adventure. In one of them, Mobley claimed to have seen in the Louvre, pronounced it wrong, in 1914, an apparition of the Roman Emperor Constantine, a man of unusual mm-hmm. height wearing a gold crown and a toga. He was not observed by anyone else. During the First World War, Jourdain, the dominant personality of the pair, who had succeeded as principal of St. Hugh's, became convinced mm-hmm. that a German spy was hiding in the college. This could maybe be a little bit of maybe mental illness. Um, after I de- don't know. Yeah. I don't know. I'm not it sounds convinced. a little. It sounds a little convinced. paranoid. It does. It does. Okay. Um, anyway, I think if you keep seeing someone who looks like a German soldier walking around a building, you're going to start thinking there's no, a spy there because there was a general point of paranoia with things like that. Right. It. But it was the First World War, and I think I don't know. She's anywho. So let's keep going. Check these sources. After developing increasingly autocratic behavior, she died suddenly in 1924 in the middle of an academic scandal over her leadership of the college her conduct having provoked mass resignation of academic staff oh interesting okay oh man we're gonna have like two episodes on this mobily died in 1937 Hmm. so there are some explanations and critiques and I'm not going to get into that right now. That is for another episode. Okay, fine, fair enough. But I do think that I do think that there is a lot to, for you guys to talk about with that story. But I also think that I do think that there are times when there's a there's a glitch, or there's a something flips. You know what I mean? And mm-hmm. and and the people who are yeah. standing at the foot of my bed, whether that was a moment of time that flipped on onto itself or if it was their residual energy yeah or if all of time is happening all at once mm-hmm. and we just experienced each other we just we just crossed each other for a second you know passing through yeah. i mean that's what some people say that or even you know like um you know people talk about like multiverse stuff and say that deja vu is when a couple of your versions of yourself kind of meet up for a second and that's why you go like oh my god i've experienced this before oh. it's yeah i've been here before i've been here before it's 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 not because it's happened it's because everything is happening all at once including like other versions of this universe and there's a moment where it goes like ah, i had these pancakes before oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh my god i think there's there's go yeah, with that there's also something about knowing and i call it the Mm. knowing which is intimately understanding a certain experience and the feelings or like the process or the the whatever that goes with it even though you've never done it even though you've never gone Mm -hmm. through it it's that 
cell on a cellular level understanding something do you mm-hmm, know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like I remember, and I'm, I'm, I'm sure that because just knowing you two and how you are, I'm sure that you guys have experienced this. Like when you're younger, just understanding something that maybe you shouldn't mm. understand at the age mm-hmm. that you're at and the ex- life experiences oh, yeah. that you have had. My, my whole stupid life. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that knowing and that understanding of something that you just shouldn't, but you do. And it's, like I said, it's cellular. It's it's something biologically in your DNA that you just mm-hmm. know. And mm-hmm. who the mm-hmm. fuck knows where it's come from, if it's parallel universe or if it's genetic from other mm-hmm. generations that has been passed That's down That's where I was going. Science joy is here, you know. Well, because I was going to say we've briefly touched on epigenetics yeah. before and the idea that, you know, there's eggs in eggs in a woman. If she's having yeah. a girl, she's also got you know, her grandchildren in her and those eggs have the ability to be imprinted on um, the things that I've read say that it is now they sort of think like if there was a famine, there could be genetic imprinting regarding like nutrients and that sort of thing. But like, why not other stuff? Right. Um, And with Eve's podcast, you know, people we're talking all the time about, you know, donors, adoptees, people who don't know their biological parents and they find out they have talents or fears or just things that seem Mm -hmm. like they came from nowhere Mm -hmm. and they had no access to it. Mm -hmm. And then they find out, Oh, that's on my dad's side or on my mom's side. Mm -hmm. And I didn't. Yeah. I mean, they talk about, they talk about how, how trauma imprints on DNA. You know, if you look at, you know, people who've lived through, genocide um things like that like those Mm -hmm. i mean i honestly like i my whole life even though i'm an only child i eat like i have a million siblings you know what i mean like i'm very like weirdly Mm -hmm. like i eat too fast and like i'm very like protective of my food and could never figure out like people be like you don't even have siblings like why are you so and i'm like i'm i'm half jewish and half irish like someone's always coming to take my food do you know what i mean like I have this like yes. imprint yeah. of like there's not enough food. Right. Yeah, it's it's interesting. And it's stuff I just feel like I feel like that all of the things are the same thing and we just need to figure out yeah. what it is. Yeah. And it's also like the part of the fun is in the not knowing. Do you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. that's why this stuff is so much fun to talk about, why your podcast is so much fun to listen to, why it's creepy, why it's great. It's because like, I don't know the answer to why they were standing at the foot of my bed. I don't know what that feeling is in my basement, except that I know that it's palpable. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's tangible to me. That's yeah, exactly. something. I, it's not, it's mm-hmm. outside of you. It's definitely not something mm-hmm. you're making up. Like it yeah. is there every once in a while, even though we would do this podcast all the time and we talk to people who've had experiences, my house is very quiet as far as that goes. So sometimes I sit here and I go, maybe like I didn't have anything ever really happen to me. And then we'll go somewhere and I'm like, this place feels terrible. I have to leave. <laughs> <laughs> you know? So it's like, oh yeah, no, it's just, it's just in my house. Is yeah. A that's nice that's, little that's amazing. Cool. That's great. We, I will tell you one more thing before I know we all have to hop off because we've been on the horn now for over two hours. Yeah. Is that, and this has been the most fun, but I do have to get ready for a trip to Europe. It's um, so fun. We should do this again. Yes. After your trip to yeah. Europe. Yes, I, I, 
in my house feels very safe, very quiet, very lovely. Like I don't feel I can walk up and down the stairs here. It's like, I don't, you know, but mm-hmm. for a couple of months, my husband and I both heard and saw a child in our bedroom. Whoa. Yes. We were both woken up with mama. <gasps> and like, I would wake up and like, and it wasn't Murphy and it wasn't Willa. And Scott heard it. We heard it on the same night. Oh and it God. was very clearly like not our kid. And both of us saw like a figure, a small figure in the room on different nights. That was on different Whoa. nights. But, and I have a lot of like, when this did a couple this years happen? Ago. Like around it was around when... the, the beginning of the pandemic, okay. actually. It was like pandemic times during mm-hmm. lockdown. When you guys were spending mm-hmm. more time in the house than you yeah. usually would. Ah. And I, I did have a... I think that there's a lot of people who were lost during yeah, that I think time. that I think something kind of came up. And then I think the longer we were sort of home for real, like it just got she just stopped or just got like less frequent. And then, but there were, there was a, um, a period of time where it was like, did you hear it again? I was like, yeah, I heard it again. I was like, mama, wait, mama. Oh <laughs> Around what time? Always in the like 3 a.m. Like, you know, that, of course, we always, of course. why is it? Why always- do they do that? Why can't it be fucking four in the afternoon when I don't feel like I'm going to have a heart attack if I wake up panicked? You just <laughs> did a big renovation on your house with, with the kitchen, right? Oh, Jesus. When, I'm sorry. When was your house? No, built? I'm not. A th- I'm just okay. saying renovations in general. Yeah, I know. This is this has been a theme for us. When yeah. um, when was your house originally built? 1911. It's really old. Jesus. Oh. First of all, holy good fuck, old for the Los Angeles really area. That is mm-hmm. insane. Yeah. Dinosaur. Very old. When you started construction, did you say anything to your house about that you were going to be starting this or did anything strange happen when you were doing it? No, I wish that we had, but I really do think that our house, I think our house has been through some shit. Like when we first moved in, someone knocked on the door and was like, Hey, can I come in? I grew up here. You know, thinking about it, that's a great way for serial killers to come into your house. Just like I know a nice, polite, I grew up here. Can I come and see it? Can I come and check it out and see my old bedroom? Close the door. Motherfucker, it's on. Or it could also be a ghost coming to say I grew up here and just wanting like, anyway. I said, well, we can stand on the front porch, but like my kids are home and like it's a little messy, but you know, you can come in the front area, but I'm gonna leave the door open and everything like that. And he sort of looked yeah. around and he said, did you find the secret room yet? Shut the fuck up. <laughs> and I was like, what? What the? And he was like, yeah, did you find the secret room yet? <laughs> you can come inside like, now and it? show me. Let's go. <laughs> that sounds even more serious. <laughs> oh, yeah, good like, point. Yeah. Sorry. Did you find my secret room? <laughs> I will say one interesting quirk of our house is that they're in one of the children's rooms. There is a lock on the outside of the closet. Mm. Yeah. Okay. I've been in houses See, like that before. No. I don't like it. I mean, there was. We took it down. But like, I was like, what, no, the, yeah. what happened in here? Yeah. And so I don't know where the secret room is, mm-hmm. but I, I think it's on uh, inside Murphy's closet. Wait, he didn't tell you where the fucking secret he, well, room he is? He said How? it was upstairs. That is he so said it's off the, up. it's, He said it's off the front bedroom. He said there's a closet okay. there. 
he said there's a secret room if you can find it. Now we okay. haven't busted through those doors. Oh, it's like Narnia. Yeah, it's a little like you yeah. got a Narnia secret. Um, and then we did find like when we were doing redoing the attic and the insulation and everything, we did find like just a pile of old cigarettes, like it, and a bunch of teenage stuff, like baseball cards and all this kind of stuff. So it had been like a hangout uh, for like a kid. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was sort of. I was worried you were going to say you found old shoes because old shoes is something that is found in old houses that was put there for like good luck and prosperity luck. and what have yeah. you. And normally when people move them out of their hiding space, like then one shit, shit kicks. Oh, oh, interesting. Okay. So I'm glad you said old cigarettes and not old shoes. Yeah. Oh, interesting. Okay. I'm going to double check with Scott that we didn't find a shoe because he has a better memory than I do. Think back to if you wouldn't mind and then tell us and like, let us know. If there's anything in particular that seems like absolutely n- not anything that stands out to you, but that you did or that happened around the time that the little girl started mm-hmm. appearing, that could have been a trigger for yeah. it. But also, like, we've been, you know, there are reports of people that because they were mm-hmm. home so much when the pandemic started, they suddenly realized that they had an invisible roommate in their house because they didn't spend as much time there before and they were spending so much time alone. And yeah, it could be that they were really lonely and like had an imaginary friend. They had a snuffleupagus, but it's also people suddenly realizing, Oh, I'm, I'm not alone in my, in my. Yeah. 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 I mean, I definitely, I do think that when we started the renovation, what I think that our house knows because I do think that that things carry energy and, and there is a history here. And I think that my house knows how much we love her and that like we want the best for her. And <clears throat> our renovation was so in keeping, we worked with this incredible architect named Barrett Cook from Artiberry Cook, shout out, who like truly wanted to honor the history of the house, the fact that it was a craftsman, our interior designer who helped us design mm-hmm. the, the different things, Tony way, like he was very like on top of that, like it, there was, there's such a great respect that we have for this old lady. And I really do think that any energy that's in the house that is of the house, like that house knows that like we have just the most respect for her. And that's why we, what, what the people before us had done was to me, not respectful. They had put terrible flooring, over the original hardwood uh, they had put up like a no. builder grade Who does they that? put laminate laminate Terrible over people. the wood we restored all the wood in the house we restored like you know the kitchen that we built was Bless you. the kitchen that we had was like very much like tacked up didn't fit the space at all like very mm. obviously bought to sell the house in 2011 when we bought it mm-hmm. um and so we've, you know what I mean? Like now we've got, a re- I mean, true craftsmen made our cabinets, people, men who craft, <laughs> a father, son who hand awesome. make beautiful cabinets, crafted our cabinets. So like to us, it's like, this is a craftsman home. We're honoring the, like the history of the arts and crafts movement in California. And like all those things were really, really important to us. So yeah. I do think it's very easy to piss off a house. And I think what a house can do is be like, all right, you know who I've been holding back from you? Motherfuckers, come on out, let's play. Oh <laughs> my God. <laughs> <laughs> I think that houses hold us, do you know what I mean? And I think that sometimes they protect us from things that are- Like the literal coming out of the woodwork. Right. Like, yeah. yeah. 
I love the fact that your house has a personality to you. You know, you say yeah. it's it's an old lady and she lo- and it's like your house is part of your family. Mm-hmm. And Casita. I think yeah, I think that's exactly. Mm-hmm. You got some yeah. encanto shit going on. It is yeah. it is lovely and I think that having that kind of respect and you your family did for your home mm-hmm. what your parents did for that Victorian house. You took it. Yeah, for sure took out the bullshit the mm-hmm. the builder grade bullshit that was put in that mm-hmm. disrespected the integrity yeah. of this house the personality of this yeah. house and you brought yeah. it back to its glory and i think that is so important and i think that that is you know i agree 100% houses you know it's like joy was saying that the materials that are that are used for these houses they do store things and i think when you have a home that in your case is, you know, over a hundred years old, right? Mm-hmm. And you have a home that has had so many families living in it and it mm-hmm. has absorbed that energy mm-hmm. and those personalities that it starts to take on a personality of its own and it does yeah. almost come to life. And I think the fact that your family has honored that, it it shows that you know, you've you've honored this home and it has welcomed you. you. And I think that's thank a beautiful you. thing. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. From thank you. The bottom yeah. of my little historian, nerd, archaeologist heart. I appreciate it. <laughs> yeah, I mean it I, I I I'm um I'm really honored that I have gotten to live in so many old homes. You know what I mean? The house I grew up in, the the second house we lived in in Grand Forks certainly was very old. This house is so old, and to and to to be able to be a custodian of something that you know, because when people built these houses, it was a real accomplishment. You know, yeah. we sort of forget what it took, right, to like build a house back then, mm-hmm. right. I mean, my husband's studio, which is the old garage, still has barn doors because I because they they kept horses here. When this house was I built, they didn't have, they didn't drive a car. It was meant for like the horse and buggy. So like, you know, I feel like it's my, it's, it's an, it's an honor to me to be, to be able to have, to be able to have bought a house so long ago here in LA, we just lucked upon being able to do that. But also that I, I, this to me is my forever space and I'm going to like protect it and make sure that like, she knows that my old lady knows that like, I love her. And she'll protect you. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Oh, well, ladies, I don't mean to wrap up the podcast, but um, I have to get the fuck out Emily, of no worries. <laughs> um, so, sorry, quickly, just before we do our gratitudes, um, your contractors that you used yeah. who specialize in these old homes, I would love to hear from them if when they've been specializing in these older homes, that when they start mm-hmm. renovations and when they're doing renovations, if anything happens while they are doing that, because that tends to kick up, we have found, and we've been starting to do homework on when renovations occur in older homes, what yeah. happens as a result of that? Yeah. So, yeah. if they're open to chatting, yeah. that would be amazing. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. I'll ask them. Yeah. 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 For sure. For sure. Sure. I will. Emily always makes us say what we're grateful for at the end. So it could be anything from a great snack you had to something really important. So what are you grateful for this week? 
Uh, I'm first of all grateful for this conversation. This was the hardest <laughs> I've laughed in a long time. Um, this was super fun. I've known you ladies, you know, in the mom sphere for a long time, but it's really nice to like actually connect and I can't wait to see you in real life. Likewise. And um, I'm, I'm grateful to have the opportunity to go to London tomorrow. I'm really, really, I have been manifesting. So I went in November um, I wrote a screenplay that won this big film festival, not the film itself, but the actual screenplay. And like it's unproduced, I'm trying to sell it. And ever since I've been to London in, in November, I hadn't been since I was a kid. And I've, I've, I've put it on my vision board, like get back to London, get back to London, get back to London. And we had this Paris trip planned for Willa's 13th birthday. This was going to be kind of her like girls trip, but because things are kind of a shit show in Paris right now, we decided very last minute to go to London instead. So I do feel like I'm seeing like a little bit of a manifestation. Not that I'm happy about what's happening in Paris, but sure. I'm very You're grateful that I get You're getting back to London, go. so. Yeah, I'm getting back <laughs> yeah. to London, so. That's, That's what awesome. Congratulations. Thank and thank you for having me today. Yes. Hey, you go. I'm grateful too that we got to do this finally because I do feel like it's like, oh, we all know each other. Hey, what's up on the internet? Woohoo, we're busy. But being able to sit down and chat and laugh and fantastic. Very <laughs> thankful for it. <laughs> and it's so important for us to have this connection. Like you said, like we mainly know each other from from the mama sphere, you know, typing mm -hmm. typing things into into the book of faces. What is this rash? Yeah, where we get <laughs> picture in comments, you know. I don't know. Like, I am just so grateful that we got to chat with you, that we got to laugh with you, that we get mm -hmm. to have this ability with technology, that even though we are all so far apart, that we are able to have a human connection over the computer with each other. And I just yeah. am tickled for that. And I cannot wait yeah. to hear about your AI generated trip to my, <laughs> yes, to my please. homeland. We need the follow up. And I do. <laughs> we need the trip advisor like yeah. review. <laughs> and I do. 10 out of 10, five stars on Yelp. It's been an absolute fucking pleasure. So Thank fun. You so much, Thank darling. you. So fun. Thank you guys. Thanks for giving me all of this time. This was like, like super fun and sure. joy. I'm so sorry that you have to edit so much of this, but it, it really was a blast. I this is sorry, happened. I get to listen to stories about farts again and laugh again. So it's fine. <laughs> Leonora, we have like set days and times for pod meeting to talk about just pod stuff. They last two and a half to three hours it's, because it's we so talk difficult. about everything, but it's, it's so hard. It's, it's, it's so hard. Anyway. Yeah. Okay, we love you. Thank you so much. I love you too. Thank, Thank you, everybody. You. Having Thank so you. much fun. Safe travels. Listen to Leonora's podcast, Mothering Heights. Mothering Heights. Yeah. Mm -hmm. These two will be on soon at some point, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. We'll come talk yes, to you again. Sure. Uh, it might be a few hours <laughs> of this, though. Just more farts and whatever else. Um, but until next time, listeners. Until next time, sage your sofas. And don't be afraid of the dark. But I will. She has a nightlight, Leonora. Why not? Why not? Why, why not? <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> I love, love you. you. Bye. 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 Bye.
Tudo isso, Pafi. 